Okay. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna one, two, three, we're gonna clap. Okay. And then that's when we start. <laughs> <laughs> and we're probably gonna do it like fifteen times. Here, here, here. Okay. <clears throat> one, two, three. I feel like that was let's try it again. One, two, three. I feel like your hands are too low. You're, I'm here and you're here. So maybe oh. if we just meet each other here. No, we just do it together. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> That's not going to work. No, it won't work. That's fine. It'll work. <laughs> Good start. Hmm. Is this already it? This is, we're, this is, okay. this is, this is it. Okay. No, no, you know what I mean? Isn't it always just it? Yeah. Like, no matter what, you wake up day after day, and <laughs> that's it. Exist or you don't. Porky Pig was right. What did he say? That's it, folks. That's it, folks? He said, that's, <laughs> that's all. That's a different sentence. He didn't say. He didn't say. So he that's, said, that's, that's, he all. said that's all, folks. That's all is more like either it could be existential, like that's the extent of life. That's all there is. What do you think? In general? Yeah. Mostly about like different like songs I can't sing out in public. Oh, like what? Train drops of Jupiter. <gasps> I would, I would, I would, I would support you doing that. And I love you by Donna Lewis, but you know that one. I love you by Donna Lewis. Yeah. How does that go? I love you always. always who was the other one that sh sh uh, Sean Colvin also I think that was in that genre. <laughs> yeah. I think she lives here. Yeah. Shout out Sean she's, Colvin. She's from Austin. You really yeah. carried my late team. Remember, do you remember when we first met? I rarely remember when we first met and I think I recall most some of it. Yeah, tell me, remind me of the occasion and I will remember. I'm pretty sure it was South by. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure it was a like party on the east side in some little shop. It was like a pop-up. You were there with Avi. And that was when you're all working at Red Bull. Mm -hmm. You were the one that brought up that like people from El Paso always travel in pairs or in groups. You never see them alone. And I was like, everybody I've met is is that. And I want to touch <laughs> on the continuation of that. But that's what I recall. And there's also an embarrassing moment from that as well because I was walking down the street with somebody and I was telling them the story about that. Mm -hmm. And you were walking behind me and I think that you heard that. And I felt so embarrassed because I was <laughs> like, I just... Relived you were it. telling somebody how you met me that same day. Yeah, I was all like, I just, I don't know if they were somebody That's from sweet. El Paso or like there was a thing, but I was like yeah. explaining the story that you told me because I thought it was a really sweet story. Mm -hmm. And because also, I, when I went back into my brain catalog, that was true. I was like, anybody mm -hmm. I've ever met from El Paso, I always met them together. I never met mm -hmm. one person that was like alone, except for Black Da Vinci, um, which mm -hmm. we need to get on the show soon but like yeah that's how i recall this meeting was during the south by when you were at red bull lobby yeah i'd like to say that we're like gang about it but we're just most of my friends are like little softies so yeah but i think it's like supporting each other in the spirit of like especially out here i think like being um like i've been coming to austin since i was like maybe like 17 to see like music whatever they'd let me in or to the co-ops or to you know to some of the like unofficial shows and like yeah. that really like inspired me to like not only like you know love and work in music but like create similar experiences and mm -hmm. like um so yeah i mean those times were so fun and like i like think about them fondly so i'm happy that like i'm happy that we met yeah
And um, but yeah, I think like in terms of like why El Paso people go together, for the most part, like a lot of us like got out and used each other to get out of El Paso. Like not that it's like a terrible place, but there's like just an angst with whatever your hometown is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I love it, but I feel that way about um, San Antonio. But it certainly like didn't have the creative opportunities, or especially in music that Austin did. So mm-hmm. like you know, a lot of us sort of like helped each other get out here and like. You know, because of that, like, we have our, like, best friends, like, yeah, here present who are, like, involved in music and, like, you know, now, like, our peers in, like, the industry or, like, or, you know, you know, holding down, like, really cool DJ nights or, yeah, you know, starting labels or, or visual artists. Like, it's a lot of us that gravitated to Austin specifically yeah. I think, for that, for that kind of, like, art and vibe, at least at the time. Obviously, the city's changed a lot and, like, we're all you know, older and semi-professional, so... That's an eight-hour drive, right? Yeah, it's nine hours, like, if you take it, like, um, fast. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. But it's a... I mean, it. you know, the first few times, if you've never done it, it's a really beautiful drive in the not, and when it's not summer. But otherwise, Facts. it's like, uh, you know, like, just doing it so much. Like, I've just done it so much that, like... What was your, like, you're like, we're going to go to Austin... You know, here's how we prep for this road trip. Uh huh. What was what I mean, was it? Was like one of one of us had a car, right? So it was right. like it wasn't yeah. like we had many options, but we would pick like a time. So we had spring break off, so South by was very easy to come to, um, but also like fun, fun, fun fest. You mm. know, like R.I.P. and yeah, shout out that whole crew is still doing a lot of great music stuff here. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was coming for like fun, 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 and and some of the like weirder festivals that were happening, and then just sort of like. You know, always kind of dreaming of like maybe living here, um, but also dreaming of like being a part of this community and being able right. to contribute and do events with my friends. Like, you know, yeah. like we didn't, like, I mean, I would do those in El Paso and that's how I got my start, but it certainly wasn't like uh, the type of understood or mass supported mm-hmm. kind of uh, endeavor mm-hmm. that it is here. For me, I'm like more going back and like bringing the records that I produced, you know, and selling mm-hmm. them into shops. Um, and um, you know a lot of my peers who are still there are like you know business owners and they run like really cool DJ spots or they run like live music venues and so like in a lot of ways like you know we're all still doing you know similar things um, but it's just sort of seeing the growth in both areas and you know of course there's you know people who will never leave El Paso or people who love it or people who are stuck there and then there's people who just, you know, as nice as you can be, like, aren't, like, super receptive to change or, you know, even, like, you know, even people or the person they used to know, like, growing up or, like, having, you know, a different, like, not just being down to just party for the sake of partying, like, but creating something somewhere else and also, you know, like, there just being some weird animosity i guess <laughs> but so that exists too i mean yeah in all communities right right but, right um but certainly for the most part like overwhelming support and um yeah a lot of love and and i mean cumbia has always been in el paso and latin music has always been in el paso um thanks to like you know a lot of the really cool like radio djs are around and then you know people who are you know doing kind of dj stuff way before me who like mentored me mm-hmm. in that world so um and gave me like, you know, showed me a light, 
you know, with new music or new styles that I never had an idea for, and, and it kind of changed my trajectory. That, and that's what I, you know, wanted to ask about. Like, I think that, you know, as creative people, we're always, you know, drawn to music and art and the creativity, and then there's that shift that happens where you're like, I want to do this. I want to build that experience for people. I want to be a part of this production. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, like make a place for people to enjoy the things that we love. Do you recall like when you were like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to do that. I'm going to see what I can do. I'm going to get in here so I can be part of the production of like these wonderful, unforgettable times. You know, what was the beginning of like you saying, hey, I want to do this. Also, you work with Red Bull. Red Bull was really big at making experiences for people. Like I never really expected to like have all these opportunities. Like I grew up like in Section 8 housing and I was like the first person to go to college. So like a lot of it just felt like new, like there wasn't really examples so, like, to go and be inspired by music and, and, you know, was always, like, I mean, I was hoping to be a journalist and hoping to be a writer. And, um, but I was, like, in college planning events, like, really learning, you know, how to, like, master DJing. And, um, and then a lot of my friends who, like, didn't have, like, platforms to play um, in Juarez and El Paso, like, we're, we're sort of making you know, different event series and, like, residencies to, to help showcase, like, that sort of, like, you know, kind of, like, binational, like, sound, like, frontera sound. Um, so that was a big, a big part of that. But to be honest, and up until recently, like, I never really, like, there were certainly milestones of times where I was like, okay, I'll take this, you know, I'll take mm-hmm. this risk or I'll try this or, like, you know, I will go for this. Um and the way it aligned was, you know, super magical. Like, it really helped me sharpen my tools in order to do what, like, I'm sort of doing today, which is, you know, a mixture of, like, music and my professional life and, and really, like, label, DJing, um, and, you know, other creative pursuits and, and really building event experiences for people, I mm. think, is, like, my like my sort of specialty. And um, so it was, like, I don't know. I guess I've just, like, learned over the years to, like, I've been more scared of failing than I was of like, you know, really being super conscious of like, oh, that's what I want. It was just like, I was like just signing up for more and like trying things out and, you know, building events and, you know, trying to like tell my family that like, hey, it's like, I'm not stupid. Like this is a a viable thing, you know, and, but not really knowing, you know, and not Mm -hmm. really knowing what, what kind of space or what kind of like, role would be out there for me or if there was even a way to make money because at the time I mean I was just you know still I mean doing it for the love but at the time I was like you know very much just like out of pocket everything and um so it's just kind of like a series of milestones until the labor of love until you kind of get that experience and realize where you could begin to get in where you fit in until you're a value the you know other people enough to Mm. pay you for your service and uh but you know that I kind of learned how to like and really only recently, like maybe the last couple of years, like learn how to listen to like, like to turn off, like being afraid, like, you know, like I've always had like imposter syndrome, like, especially mm-hmm. like in my early professional years, because those opportunities didn't come to people like me or people where I'm from. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so that really like motivated me, but also like, you know, a lot of what I accomplished, like in my twenties was like a fear of having to move back home, a fear of like letting my family down, a fear of like, you know, and it, yeah. that was like, 
you know, like a 10 year period, like of just like yeah. trying to like, you know, still having fun and still doing things and like, but really just like doing one thing after another, one thing after another, and like not really being present for it. And just like, you know, uplifting a lot of people, a lot of sound, especially with working like with Red Bull and like producing events and, um, and working with a lot of artists, kind of like working like a, almost like an A&R, like for mm. like in, in like a bunch of different subcultures and like, um, you know, building shows out of like those kind of like versioning scenes, you mm -hmm. know. So that was like, you know, kind of being thrown into the fire, you know, to produce like festivals and to produce like these shows and to make them unique from what I'm used to and and what people are used to. And, and then from there, you know, like, gain the skills to kind of do it for myself and you know and, and all the while always DJing and sort of being ready to play events or to add that to whatever but you know yeah like learning to listen to like that intuition mm -hmm. which like is always telling you like because that guided me it wasn't like you know I mean it was in some ways like fear gave me energy when I needed it like when I was like oh fuck I got a deadline or I gotta like <laughs> figure this shit out but you know for for the most part it was like a very like unconscious like uh direction and like uh like purpose you know attached to it that i didn't really see until you know like semi recently like of just like mm -hmm. like damn like i'm capable of so much more if i'm not scared like if i'm not worried about like failing right, right. you know like i'm capable yeah. of so much more like once you're not like tense and stressed all the time like yeah. Of course, when things get closer and where it's when it's an event or something or a record release that you're doing, like, yeah, you're gonna get like nervous, but like that's all biological. You it says thing about like convincing your family, like, hey, not crazy, it's fine, I got this, I'm gonna be okay. When I was first starting, they're like, What do you mean? Like they're paying you to do what you were doing at home? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, and you know, it's Right. And so I think it like Took a while, but you know, like even up until recently, like my mom was very, like, just concerned. I don't know, like normal, oh, yeah. normal mom concern. Totally. But she was like, "Yeah, I'm just I'm worried about you." And I'm like, "Why? I've been away from home without support for so long." And yeah, yeah. I think it's just the expectation of like, and then maybe some like misunderstandings mm -hmm. of like what, you know, the value is in that world, and like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, also the way, the ways I've maneuvered through it, you know, from like sort of like always having like a core subcultural like um you know being in in those cultures whether it's like you know djing uh in the various genres or you know skateboarding or you know just even like punk photography and like stuff like that like um like not really i think just like some stuff lost in like that lifestyle from what maybe they're used to i think my family mm -hmm you know, in a lot of ways was used to super survival mode. Right. But, you know, in a lot of ways, like, my mom was, like, concerned but never was really, like, against anything I did. Right. Like, neither was my dad. So there was always that support. But it did feel like, like, oh, shit, like, I'm a – it felt like, you know, being, like, a Mexican astronaut, like, just going to college, <laughs> like, for the first time and being, like, whoa. Yeah, like, you have no blueprint. Yeah, no guide, like, you know. Yeah. And, like, or, like, leaving, leaving El Paso. Like, right, right. You know, still in the state but still very far away, like, you know, nine hours away yeah. uh, for the first time and, like, you know, being, like, the first person in, like, my family to do that, like, it just felt like kind of, like, I have to, like, learn all this stuff on my end and, you know, I think it was, you know, very much just um, 
the place that you know they came from and mm -hmm. and like you know it felt like also like a lot of pressure um you know for me and my sister and my brothers like to you know but you know slowly but surely like we figured out my brothers weren't really gonna <laughs> gonna make it or like gonna you know figure out a, a successful stable lifestyle right and then like you know my sister was always hard working and you know my sister got her master's like recently and like so now she's like yeah. the astronaut you know like she's like <laughs> so which is cool because like you know like it was kind of between us and then now we kind of like you know now she's like you know super professional you know um <laughs> rehabilitated chola but working like in you know really great you know civil service like roles you know mm -hmm. for you know like different uh, mental health um mm. uh, you know institutions and um so yeah, I think it just felt like uh, I think it was just a concern of like, you know, and not understanding and things being like lost in, you know, in experience and translation um, until they experienced it, you know, until I started mm -hmm. taking them to festivals and mm -hmm. and they're like, what do you like you? What did you do here? And I was like, oh, <laughs> a lot of different things, but in general, yeah. like help make it happen. Yeah. And and organized it. And um and or like when I was, you know, start start playing events and, you know, they would come see me. And uh, I mean, they've always been super proud and supportive. I think they were just like always just like, yeah, be yeah. okay. Is this something you can like, you know, have confidence in? So. Yeah. I think like it's then like kind of getting older also and being like, you know, it's in God's hands. <laughs> in somebody's hands. <laughs> That's for sure. I love I love subcultures, and that's, you know, like, why we want to do this podcast. Like, I, I, I'm obsessed. I just really appreciate a subculture. Like, I don't, like, I, you know, like, just anything that I can hear of that I'm all like, oh, that's so weird. What are y'all doing over here, little weirdos? Like, you got, you got, like, yeah, it's like, what's your little niche interest that you enjoy? Because every one of them has, like, a reason that they're constructed, right. you know? And, like, a lot of the times it's, like, to, like, you know, either, like, keep each other safe Mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, develop a sound, develop like a, a style, develop like a space where like mm -hmm. people who like, you know, are either like fringe thinkers or creatives or like punks or like metalheads or, you know, like in any sort of small sense of like people gathering and uh, expressing like creativity together. Like, I love it. I love documenting that. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I hate staying up like super, super, super late. So like, um, but I, I really like go to the raves. I go to the tunnels. Like, that's, right. we've, we've, yeah. we've seen each You've other got a great lot documentation in there, those right? spots. But um, is that for you like something where you're like, this is not, you know, really me, but let me hang out and watch what y'all do. I'm super like non-judgmental, yeah. you know, absolutely. Like, I'm just, I'm like the Steve Buscemi and like the, with the skateboard where he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like hey fellow, like, hey, yeah, fellow youths. Yeah. Can I take your picture? Um, <laughs> Nah, but just like, like I'm super non-judgmental. Sometimes when the sound is like super fucked up, like, yeah, I'm like, I'll, I'll like hang out for a little bit, but like, yeah, but sometimes that's a part of the part of the experience. So like, mm. you know, like I love like crazy noise stuff and like, I love like visceral experience and like at the best of like subcultural moments, like that's what you, that's what you see and that's what you experience. And, yeah. and it's also like having like an open worldview because there's so many like, you know, when I go traveling, like what I look for is like record shops, mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, the unique type of subculture, like there's punk communities everywhere. I love going to see like punk shows or like indie rock shows. Mm -hmm. um, 
but also just like different, you know, you know, DJ scenes and the way that they cluster around a certain sound or genre or party or residency and um, but also visual art and graffiti and like, you know, real like train hopping crust punk like fashion or train hopping crust yeah, punk. Yeah, like um saturated like, with them. Me too. Like all the like um you know the the, the wax marker um, messages yeah. that, you know that yeah. the people have left for for years who like were, you know, connected to that sort of like free off the grid life, you know. Yeah. Like, I love I love so many, you know, photographers who, who, who a lot of them were photographers, but just people who, you know, are involved in, in their own way of life and um and and sort of open up space and don't gatekeep, you know. What photographers do you do you like? I like Diane Arbus. <laughs> we were just talking about uh I love her. I think she actually pronounced it Diane. One of the first real subcultural, like super fringe yes. photographers. Yeah. Yes. Never been able to get the nerve up to ask somebody like, may I take your portrait? Has anybody ever done, been like... Oh, I've almost got beat up like several oh, times because wow. I'm really into like street photography that's yeah. candid. Yeah. I mean, it's always like a struggle like to like maintain the candidness, but also like really want to like learn people's story and talk to them. Yeah. And, um, but like for the most part, like a lot of the stuff I've taken is like candid. So like mm -hmm. it's a lot of like subcultural candid shots or, or, or like street photography in like bigger cities or in Mexico and, um, and just, you know, documenting like that. But yeah, I've almost got beat up in New York. <laughs> I almost got beat up in Dallas. I've had to run from people, but you know, like why those photographers are so dope is cause they're like, it's not, it's like learning obviously the skill, but also having the confidence to engage and like, you know, that's something I've worked on my whole life to like be better at, you know, because I do, I do engage people who are like interesting and like mm -hmm. certainly like friends and people who are like, you know, characters in the community, like to do projects, you know, and, or like to do more things that are, um, you know, not candid. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's just such an expensive game. Um, yeah. and like, I mean, I, I probably have like, like 60 undeveloped roles like right. in like just and that alone is like like a thousand dollars yeah man. like that's like i went and developed like six roles you know like something like that like you know and i still have a few more like i don't have as many as 60 but like i didn't like any of them but i was like use my film that's why i was like i'm just gonna until i can use do better you know i guess i was also buying like these vintage yeah. cameras i know we had talked about it but i was like i'm just gonna keep using my iphone on <laughs> And see if yeah, I can like honestly that's it. fine like the, the, <laughs> the running kind of thing is like the best camera is like whatever you have and like yeah it's the you know, artist not the tool right yeah or it's like the perspective I guess but you know in terms of that like yeah I mean I've been I've been taking photos longer than I've been DJing like so I have a lot a lot of stuff built up and now I've been like since I've been taking a slow roll with that I've been getting better at like editing and like mm -hmm. learning how to work with like you know, just the, the, the library of things I do have and, and, you know, in time, but yeah, it's consistency. It sucks. It's not cheap, but, right. um, but it is really is a beautiful, like art form film photography for me. It was like such a, such an important part of like meeting people and documenting people and like, you know, really like the, just the skate artist, like musician template is what I've always really loved yeah, you know, like the just like it's really the full too. like dream boy package to be honest, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, one second, I do. 
I don't know if you're going to get my feet in the shot. Free feet. Congratulations. And I will be doing weird things. Free feet. Like, yeah, free feet, dude. You, yours are covered up. You're not, not, you're not monetizing them. Congratulations. But we'll put it on the Patreon. We'll take your toes and get your little piggies out. Well, so if you see me doing weird flexing stuff, I had a gig last week and my shit fucking, <laughs> that, that hurt a little bit. I was like, wow. I woke up with balls on my feet. Balls sure. on my feet. It was... You got to do things like this to like really exercise. I mean, well, you skateboard, so you get like weird feet things too. Probably like I got to do, you know, like I got to keep. Yeah. Rolling my ankles. Yeah, like definitely around. ankles. Like I Ooh, yours just popped too. I, yeah. I can pop everything. Yeah. And that's proof of like how much I've hurt myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but also just how much I constantly like have to like, I don't know, like get my blood flowing and you know yeah. whether it's anxiety or just like stretching or like you know, but popping stuff is like. You know, a weird prolonged habit. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I've been like watching. I think it's again TikToks, and there's like the Korean old like grandpas that like walk and they oh, just yeah, kind of like swing their hands. Like, really cool, yeah, uh, yeah. And so you know, I've been trying to do some of that. That's why they live so long. <laughs> I know? mean, you know what I mean? They eat a lot of yellow foods too. What I heard, and then they do that, right? Yeah. And you were you were just in Korea, also. Uh -huh. Did you take any photos when you were there? No, this was actually more of like um, you know, like a, it was a different. Because yeah, I don't know if you could take photos of, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm wondering. I feel like it's, like, the culture I was. did, but I was sort of, like, you know, focused on, like, record digging and, yeah. like, you know, more yeah. music mission and that one. And you, you did Japan. I think we we discussed this, too. You were able to go to a cumbia, like, Japan. Yeah, I got to meet, like, the cumbia community there. And, you know, it was super, like, validating and affirming to, like, right to see, like, right. how much they respect, like, you know, Mexican culture, like, Colombian culture and Latin culture as a whole. Mm -hmm. So it was really beautiful. Like it felt like, like a super warm, you know, welcome um, uh, to just be able to hang out and like you know exchange music and. Do they have tacos there? In yeah, Chilatas? they do. There's uh, one of one of my new friends uh, has like a mezcal, like kind of like like a uh, record bar, um, ah. and uh, and he makes like tacos on a little like hot pan and like. Oh really? Are they good? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, we are going to be back in Mexico. Are you going to come with us? And if not, uh, I hope so. I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, that'd be that. fun. I love that city so much. So and, much. You know. I take really good photos when I'm there too. There's so many lovers in that city Somebody, and that's yeah, one of my favorite so, things So much to stimulus take and so many little micro moments yeah. and like unassuming, you know, people and things and like just the things that you can experience in that city is just so awesome. And the music scene's great. I have a lot of friends who... You know, are great like you know bastions of their community mm -hmm. and the cumbia world, and mm -hmm. you know continue to like bring people together and you know make life there like a big public dance. When I was there with you last time, you know, you introduced me to Lagayo, mm -hmm. and you yeah. know we walk in, show up this little spot, and yeah. you know I just watch her rap, and I'm like, she's rapping mm -hmm. like her ass off. Number one. <laughs> made me believe in hip-hop again you know oh, what i mean cool. like that's awesome especially considering like your history with the sound and you know yeah. as a as a you know as a as a as a b person yeah thank you so going back to you know lagayo and your label and you know you started through chasol yeah like i think like in 2019 maybe like right before the pandemic what was the driver to go into doing that um, you know, honestly, I've always wanted to, like, I've always really loved 
like the way that people gather around vinyl records and you know specifically 45s are like mm. really like the tools of DJs and so like wanting to to create something for the city like not just like mm -hmm. you know like you know being able to DJ the sound is you know cool right but like you know how do you like you don't really just only change the culture doing it that way um there has to be like if there's a story there's like you know like a history and then there's uh you know a present and then there's a future of people creating things actively mm -hmm. with that with mm -hmm. that you know community or sound or or you know broader global culture so um it was like th that desire to like want to contribute um you know records that people could gather around or can get excited about and would each tell a story about a place or um you know a, a, a individual community um and yeah it being like a, a limited short run mm -hmm. kind of thing that like if you know or if you like you shop at some of my favorite record shops like around the world like you're gonna you're gonna find them like i'm not i don't have like a big you know distributor i work with like a lot of indie like you know distributors and you know and and a lot of record shops and people hand to hand you know mm -hmm. um and band camp so like yeah I love band it's, camp. it's very much like um was was wanting to like you know, have like a calling card for Austin and like when people think of, you know, the city that they start to, you know, think about it as like a, you know, reclaiming it as like a Latin space, especially yeah. the history here, you know, in Austin and where I come from and yeah. uh, being able to merge all those influences enough to create records, to share music, to play those records um, while I'm playing. So it feels like I'm adding something, you know, new, but also able to you know, pay homage to, like, sounds of cumbia and tecano and um, Latin funk and, like, a lot of the different styles mm -hmm. that I really focus on, but um, in the same while being able to visit other places and yeah, right. tell people about it and encourage them to Cross come. Cross-pollinate. Yeah, yeah. Right. So. so, and Trucha Soul comes from, I love the story, tell me, tell the story, tell the story. Why, what is, why is Trucha Soul, like, where did you come up with that name of Trucha Soul? Yeah, so my, my... My dad kind of came up as like, uh, like kind of like a pachuco, like low rider, like super fidme, kind of like uh, Mexican man. But he was super sweet. Like he was very um, had a big heart and was always just kind of like caught up in between both of those worlds. And you know, as I grew up, you know, like in El Paso and like you know, Section Eight housing, and like my brothers and my sister were involved in like you know, gangs and like, you know, I was very much raised by like cholos and cholas and because my mom and my dad worked all the time and so I would go with them. So I was hanging out like a lot of the times with like, you know, all these gang members and ex-cons and like, um, and they were just like, you know, for the most part, like really, really sweet and like treated my sister very well and treated our family really well. So it was just this idea of like, you know, this like internal softness that like, you know, people who, like, the broader population perceives as, like, threats, you know, mm -hmm. like, so it was, like, trying to, like, you know, like, not just, like, in a branding sense, but, like, in, um, in, like, a, in, like, a sentimental sense, like, bridge both of those feelings, like, a sort of, like, street culture that, that I did grow up with and that I was a part of and that my family was a part of and that represents, you know, a colloquialism that's said in 
El Paso, which is Lucha, which is like, you know, yo, like, be aware, you know, like, be be aware in whatever neighborhood you're 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 in, or mm -hmm. and that's what my dad would always tell me. Um, and then Seoul, like, I just really right. wanted to capture the softness, especially like with you know our birthright to like soul music, which is Chicano soul, mm -hmm. and um, and and I wanted it to be you know a mixture of those those feelings and attitudes um, whenever we expressed it as a record or or in DJ sets or mm -hmm. or so what, how would your father use that trucha? He would just, he'd call me, he calls me baby. Um, so he like would just be like, like if I was going out for the night, he would just be like, hey, trucha baby. And I'd be like, I should have named it trucha baby. <laughs> um, you could do, you know, you could do a, you could do a, a compilation of all your artists and the trucha right. baby volume one, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Or, hey. or maybe some songs like. Again, marketing genius. Right dedicated here. to like that, you know. Yeah. That sort of vibe or things that remind me of him um but um yeah i mean that that whole culture a lot of the music that he imparted on me that my mom imparted on me he didn't really i mean he loves you know cumbia's tecano music right. um, but really he was more of like a, a modern pachuco who like you know drove lowriders and you know listened to a lot of chicano soul i got like a lot of that influence from him but I also listened to like a lot of classic rock and like mm -hmm. so I grew up with like a lot of that and like an encyclopedic knowledge of like that world because of him and really my mom like loved cumbias so like I learned about Fito Olivares and like you know S Selena and like a lot of the a lot of the classic Tecano stuff but also some of like Dinamita and Los Angeles Azules like mm -hmm. from from my mom and going to like you know family parties and watching you know them dance and like you know obtaining that those sounds like, yeah. um through just you know being there and you know not really like i mean always loving them but always like sort of taking them for granted like because i you know i listen to a lot of other things and like mm -hmm. yeah um, you do yeah and, you do uh, it wasn't until <laughs> like uh you know it wasn't until i w went away from home that i was like oh wow like this the sound isn't everywhere like you know right. like it's not an omnipresent sound like you know, you you you're used to like having regional Mexican music blaring out of every store, every right. car, every you know, and um, yeah, and like moving to Dallas or to or to Austin, it's just like it's not like as I mean, sure, there's like really cool enclaves of like people and paisas that you can hear that kind of sound, but um, for the most part, it's not like the, the dominant thing that's blaring out of people's cars. So right. I think that was like, oh, I like really missed that sound. Like, I, and then I just started investigating more. Like, why isn't there more of it? And what can I do for that? And so it was kind of part of the inspiration. Plant the seeds to, where you're at, right? And, yeah. Uh, and with your dedication, you just made a really life-affirming purchase about all of this, which was the Gumbia sound system. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about it a little bit. And, you know, there's certainly more I can learn from it, but I'm sure the Beats Within audience <laughs> in the masses would love to know as well what was the, what happened here. You. You know, we, I see on Instagram, I see some photos. Now you've got this dope ass sound system, and you're you're hanging out with this godfather of sound. Essentially, what was tell us tell us the story? Yeah, so uh, maybe about like two and a half years ago, um, I'd been going to Mexico City for a while, um, but you know, was really trying to understand that community to learn from it. And like, I'd always been fascinated with sound system culture. Period. But I never really thought of myself like a super like technical person. So you know, I would always rig up little things and like you know, knew how to rig up PAs and, and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously I have like my home studio and stuff, but like, mm -hmm. 
Like I wanted to, you know, understand more like the the Callejero street party, like Sonidero sound. Um, so it was really just kind of like connecting with a lot of that community over the years and sort of being accepted, like and and being like really supported in a lot of ways and invited to be a part of, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, different events or or um, um, or like you know like radio things or like um. And like you know, through that, like you know, I, I met, I first met a lot of the 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 sonideros and sonideras that are like my age, mm-hmm. um, or like close to my age, and um, you know, I I ended up just kind of like, you know, becoming really good friends with like two of like, the dopest who were like really connectors of those communities who were the bridge from like their and our generation to like, you know, the past kind of godfathers of like sonidero music, which. I've always had popularity, especially like in, you know, sort of like certain barrios around um, around Defe. But, um, you know, really, <clears throat> really like they were like continuing the torch, you know, like they were the continuation of the story and innovating the style. Mm-hmm. And then they were, you know, really like bringing in and, and, and welcoming a lot of like the global community of cumbia folks who were doing the same thing. Right. So without really even knowing, I just became part of a lot of these different people from all over the world, like wanting to understand um, cumbia um, as it relates to, you know, like the the Mexico City perspective and, you know, and, and really the, the history and like the way like sound systems are built, the ways that they're, you know, the ways that people gather around these, you know, often free public uh, you know, dance community events, mm-hmm. and um, so there was a desire to to create that. You know, and you know, a lot of them still play records, and like so, that's also the thing. It's like a very like the culture there is like super still like based around like vinyl records. Like it's mm-hmm. something that people casually purchase. It's something that people that you can see on the street that the vendors sell that you can go right. to shops that the old people, the young people, you know, the middle-aged people purchase and use and buy and, and the DJ still play. So, like, automatically it just felt, like, super welcoming um, and obviously looking for records, digging for records, um, you know, eventually um, brought me, you know, to meet uh, some of these, like, super, like, um, really, like, innovators in their space. Um, and one of them was Sonido El Pato, um, uh, from Mexico City, and uh, he uh, is, you know, one of the, you know, very few remaining folks who still build, like, sound systems in the classic style of, like, you know, like, 50s, 60s, you know, on, mm-hmm. on to, like, 80s um, style sound systems. So, you know, really this idea of a sound system is, like, a community tool um, to be able to, you know, bring people together Often it's super resourceful, so it's like made with like, you know, things that that you that you find that you uh, that you can obtain, um, you know, affordably or cheaply or trade for, and uh, so I was really interested in that in that style and like, um, you know, I I met him and um, you know got to dig records at his house and um, along with some friends who brought me there, you know, who welcomed me into meeting their mentor. Mm. So it was like. You know, it was really special. I got to go with um, with Gacho from Sonoma Pepera and um, 
and Joyce uh, Musicolo, who's like a really amazing um, sonidera uh, mm-hmm. based in Mexico City from Iztapalapa. And um, we, you know, got to hang out with him a whole afternoon and just talk about music, but also hear his system and, and, and hear and kind of ask questions, you know? Yeah. And um, and I had already bought in like a, a Garrard 88 turntable um, that I found like uh, in some like, you know, some like, public auction like and um and it was like pretty new like you know but it was from the 50s so it came with the manual and like i was mm-hmm. like well this can be a project i can like i'm not like super at least i thought i wasn't super technically minded um so i was like kind of like well you know in time like i'll i'll, I'll mod it like like they mod it and maybe i can learn and maybe that can be like a goal so i was able to kind of talk to him and uh he was just super open with like sharing his wisdom about like sound systems and like how things work, how amps work, the chain of the ways that you plug things in, and the kind of tools that they use to be able to, you know, create this like public, you know, social um, dance experience. Mm-hmm. You know, which um, part of it is like these modular, like public, um, really public announcement, like speakers from yeah. like the you know really like the fifties and forties yeah. are like these big ass like what they call trompetas, but they're like big horns with drivers and they're super tough and uh and they're heavy and uh yeah so these are you know they they, they set them up in a modular way mm-hmm. um and uh you know they just have a, a unique approach to that sound system which is more of a modular often outdoor um, yeah. kind of experience so um yeah he taught me a lot he taught me how to mod um the garage turntable um wow. and then um and then, you know, pretty soon we start talking about, like, um, you know, what would be the feasibility of, like, you know, maybe bring some of this stuff over, like, having him build some pieces for me. And then over time, like, we talked about, like, what would be, like, my needs and what I wanted to really do. And, um, and he helped me build um, a lot of the, the tube amps, um, as well as, a, you know, a, a big subwoofer and uh, custom-built um, wow. 360 tweeters. And, um, and yeah, gave me some of his trumpet, some of his, uh, some of his horns that, that had just been, you know, used at, you know, several of his events. So I got to restore those and, you know, got to, got to like paint them like low riders to kind of fit. It doesn't say who painted, was it you that painted it or? So I worked with, uh, with some friends from, uh, from, uh, Fort Worth actually. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, one of them is, uh, is Sky Salinas. Um, he, he goes, he goes by Sky Signs on Instagram, but, um. So he did kind of the hand styles um, painting, um, and uh, and then uh, one of his good friends, um, his name is uh, Chris Pino, who uh, grew up painting lowriders with his with his dad, who's really mm. dope. Um, so they're painted like lowriders. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they're like layered. They have like candy paint, um, and then on top of that, they're hand styled with um, like the pinstriping and there's yeah, like it's called. Um, right? It's called something else, like the Chicano kind of cholo style called something else, but yeah, it's like a pinstripe kind of like yeah. design. Um, so yeah, I wanted to make them like really special and really eye-catching. And then, uh, yeah, been able to, you know, was able to bring all the pieces over, over those kind of two years. And, um, you know, during South by this year, we were actually able to, um, that was fun. To it was try a it out. great yeah, y'all, time. Y'all yeah. Yeah. So much dancing, so much love. Uh, yeah. so many cheeks to cheeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
you know, I think there's still so much more I want to talk, and I definitely think we need to do a part two. But before we wrap up, I want to ask something that I ask, like, almost everybody that I talk with, even outside of interviews, is uh, do you fly in dreams? And if so, how do you fly? Uh, I have. I, like, was able to do, like, I, like, had my, um, what do you call it, lucid dreaming phase. Oh, really? Uh-huh. A, a phase as if everybody has it. Like, I know we actually, I do have a couple friends who did have that. Um, I did not. I think there's a couple of times we were able to control the dreams. Were, were you, yeah. like, meeting friends in the astral plane, doing that thing? I've had, I had friends who have done that. Yeah. Who, like, they've, I've like, met each that. other. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would see friends, but it was never, like, you know, it was, and I would interact with them, but it was never, like, um, like simultaneous, yeah. Like or like uh, or the other friend would remember. Um, it was more like um, you know, yeah. I I, I have kind of like flown until it's like it gets too unstable, and you're like, oh, sh-, you know, you're too aware, and then you wake up. Um, and by phase, I mean that I was like actively practicing trying right. to do it. So I yeah. was like, you know, like changing my sleep cycle. I was like, you know, trying to find reminders around me to like things that would help trigger me into being like, oh, this is different you know so like that makes sense i think a a lot of little things yeah i I feel like people who do um you know lucid dreaming they tend to have a little more of a sensitivity like you know towards you know just a little bit more in touch yeah i was smoking smoking mugwort like uh that that, right right (laughs) yeah that is the thing right i just i had not i I tried to lucid dream once through like a spotify (laughs) playlist and had like lucid dreaming and uh, it did not go so well for me, so I did not try it again. I was like, that is something that I should not be fucking with yeah. unless I'm super, like, educated on how and what and how to do it. Yeah. Preserve I, yourself. I remember the first time that it happened to me, I was like, well, I just want to do one, especially at that time, I was just, like, super, you know, skateboarder. I was like, I want to skate <laughs> in my dream. And I remember, like, um, like just, like, being like, well, how do I, how do I, like, manifest a skateboard? And then it was just like... And I was like, whoa. No way. And then uh, so I just I jumped on a skateboard and I was like, okay, I'm gonna like do a trick. And I just did like an infinite trick and I was just like falling and I was like, oh, I just woke up. <laughs> yeah. That is such a pop punk way to 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 do your dream. That's, that's like honestly skater who, boy. at a core, that's who I am. Like I was never <laughs> I was never emo. I mean, I had like, you know, yeah. like, emo feelings, but yeah, I was uh, very much like a pop punk Scott kid. Love it. Just skateboard and, you know, eventually found hip hop and punk. Pink and pickles, bruh. You know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, I love you. We're losing light. I can feel it. I hope that we're able to edit this into, you know, that we're great. Um, We've got some Apple nerds here, so I think they can do some magic for us. (laughs) You. Um, you know, I could be around you forever and ever and yes. ever, and uh, we're gonna hang it after this. Sorry, y'all, Kendra. Are we gonna have a mezcal shot to close this out? Is that what we're doing yeah, right now? Okay, because that not a shot, a sip of besitos, but we I will cheers it. I'd love a. I'd and you're gonna sip some. No, no, he's getting. He's getting the. Sorry, the producer's talking to us. We'll break the fourth wall. Oh yeah, he's over there. Like I said again, and I will tell you forever, and I tell you this every time I see you. I love you so much. I love you. I love, I love you, you so too. much. I'm so happy that we're friends, yeah. and thank you for coming and doing this with us. And um, I know that there's so much more to your story. So I, you know, I think I mentioned already. I want to do a part two eventually with you know all of our friends that we know. Like there's just so much more in there. Uh, and let's, we're at the Rodriguez's house, Bobby and Christina, who are mezcal uh, connoisseurs. And so they have brought us a little, little capacito here of Agua del Sol. It's from Oaxaca. Especial, Espadín, Agave. Cheers. Salud. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, Tico. Love you. I love you, Tico. <laughs> I love you, Chantico. <laughs> mm.
but thank you for dropping in and um the if you want to find where, where can we find any of you at all where do we find where do we find you yeah uh it's uh t-r-u-c-h-a uh soul s-o-u-l uh s-o-u-l um Tusha soul on everything on Bandcamp, mixcloud uh, instagram um yeah follow us and come see uh some cumbia life it's a good time dance with me dance with me okay i love you bye i love you bye bye bye